Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you'll learn from the experiences of America's most innovative and successful farmers as they shorten your learning curve, increase your yield, ROI, and profit. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Sylvius Financial, the company that offers customized risk management solutions for your farming operation. Sylvius Financial integrates crop insurance with government programs and grain and cattle marketing to achieve profitability for your farm. And now, here is your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, with a great program for you today, because we're talking about Ukraine uncertainty and how to manage volatility, if only in your head. You know, it's a risky place out there being a business person. And also, every day the marketplace throws a new crinkle at you. Goodness knows it's done that a lot in the last couple of years. Pandemic, government shutdown, supply chains, can't get glyphosate. Now you can, it's five times what it used to be. All of a sudden, corn's going crazy. What about these land prices? Oh my God, now the Fed says they're going to increase interest rates. We're dealing with a lot of volatility, more than usual. Well, we got risk advisor from Sylvius Financial on here. His name is Bryce Goose. And we also got Kelly Garrett, one of the founding members of the Extreme Ag Group. You know, we're here to help you and give you perspective. Today, we're not going to tell you when to sell, what price trigger to pull, you know, any of that stuff. We're going to talk about big picture here, uncertainty, the situation in Ukraine, managing volatility, if only in your head. We are recording this, dear listener, on March 1st. So be aware that if you're listening to this April 1st, there's going to be a whole bunch of things that have changed in terms of some of the nuances of the price structure, the markets, etc. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about dealing with this because it is an uncertain world and we want you to succeed. And we're talking to two guys that can help you do that. So Bryce, uh, real quickly, Sylvia's Financial, you guys do a really good job because your thing is not just crop insurance. You, 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 your pitch, your value proposition is quite simple. We bridge crop insurance with commodity and grain marketing with the government programs to make your farm profitable. That's the idea, right? Yes, sir. Exactly. Bryce, I got a question for you. You're a younger guy. You've, you've read about some of this stuff. Things look a little topsy-turvy right now. Do they not? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, kind of a matter of when we wake up in the morning, are we going to be 50 cents higher or 50 cents lower? I mean, that's the kind of the gist of it right now. I mean, very volatile and there's nowhere telling where it's going to go next. I mean, uh, we got uh, basically a really, really interesting situation right now. And, you know, markets always go up and down. I mean, that's what the, that's the very nature. You tune in the CME group and, and usually it's three cents. You know, I always made the crack. I wouldn't want to be one of these guys that talks about the markets. Oh, really exciting stuff. The soybean complex up two and a half cents. If that was my life, I'd take a nine millimeter and put it in my mouth because it's that boring. It's not been boring the last few weeks, though, has it? Kelly Garrett. No, it's not been boring. And, and the higher it gets, the more volatile it gets. And I agree with Bryce. You get up in the morning, are you going to be up 50 or down 50? And you wouldn't be surprised if it's either way. You'd be more surprised if it was nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been moving a lot. So here's the thing. We got a lot of our listeners, people that look up to you know, us and say, hey, man, you've been there. You've done that. Uh, I, I'd like to know a little bit about, am, am, I, am I wrong? Am I the one that's a little stressed? Are these other guys not stressed? Kelly, let's be honest. Uh, I talked to you yesterday. Yes, it is a stressful time. You're paying attention. There's so many different risk on risk off scenarios. Obviously, we have Ukraine. Is China going to invade Taiwan? 
an Iran nuclear deal, how much second crop corn safrina that they're going to get planted in South America. It's dry here. It's forecast to be dry here. There's five huge scenarios that you're watching right there. I'm going to throw another couple at you that really aren't even that. Uh, it's really out there, but does the United States enter a military conflict, which all of a sudden changes the the shipping lanes, uh, you know, a supply chain that's already disrupted, because all of a sudden, if we enter a military situation, our trade situation changes pretty remarkably, and one maybe to a lesser degree, when you keep talking about $100 crude, I know that the business of agriculture, it'd be neat, all this whole green dream to have uh, electric tractors, but right now, last I looked, 8,500 gallon tankers of diesel still pulling to farms like Garrett Land and cattle because you need diesel. Yep. Well, when diesel's $1.50 more a gallon, uh, you start running that across the, the acres that you cover, it's a lot of dollars. So there's two more that I just threw in. Bryce, thoughts on all those things that he just said and I just said? I mean, yeah. I mean, just like what you're talking about crude. I mean, crude's up huge today. It's following everything. Yes, these high prices. I mean, the farmer's not necessarily putting that right in their pocket. I mean, er everything is increased and who knows, I mean, with this fertilizer, are, are we going to be able to get it? I mean, I just spoke to a guy a half hour before this call and he said that he booked an order of urea yesterday and they called him back this morning and they canceled the order said we couldn't get it. So it's just a matter of even if you do have it bought, are you even going to get it? And the guy you talked about, are we talking about somebody that's looking for a pickup tr truck load? Or are we talking about uh, a cargo ship full? I mean, he's just a thousand acres, corn and beans in Indiana. I mean, so, I mean, it, he already had some of his anhydrous spot, but he was looking to buy urea for the rest of the acres to at least get by and he can't even get that. I mean. All right. So let's just start with fertilizer. Uh, Russia is a major manufacturer of fertilizer, particularly those that require petroleum uh, to make. Am I right, Kelly? Right. Okay. And now they're, they are going to be in a top story situation. They'll still need to sell fertilizer to finance their economy. Uh, so they probably aren't holding back uh, to try and punish us. It's just a matter of whether it's available, period. And then Ukraine also is a manufacturer of fertilizer. So we already were dealing with prices that were going to be elevated by double. What do you think it looks like now while we're heading into the field in the next 60 days? I believe that out of Russia and Ukraine comes a lot of phosphorus fertilizers. And I question whether you can even get that, you know, let alone the urea. Um, you know, it's, so let's say that uh, all these scenarios we're talking about become very bullish to the market. Will the American farmer be able to put more corn acres in than what he attended? The Amer American farmer loves to plant corn. They'd yeah. rather plant corn as long as they can. It's, if they want to make money, they'd rather plant corn than beans. But if they cannot get the fertilizer, how are they going to put the corn in? Will they find an alternative way? Will they go with less fertilizer? Will the acres just not get planted? You know, it's that that's almost another risk management tool. Where are the acres going to shake out for us? Okay. Well, what's your assessment? Because here we're sitting recording this on March 1st. You'd like to be, you'd like to be putting something in the ground by April 15th, I, even there in Western Iowa, right? So 45 days out, what's your assessment on your plan? I would say that the farmer is going to plant corn if he can't. And I would say that they'll go with some less fertilizer. You know, they'll, I disagree with the notion, but a lot of times the fertilizer is what they'll cut back on rather than the, the you know, cutting back on the seed or something else. They'll, they'll cut back on fertilizer and they'll try to plant corn. All right. So then that brings up the questions just since we're talking about just fertilizer because Bryce brought it up with urea. Okay. Uh, you, you trickle on, uh, you trickle it on instead of uh, really going up there. Are we A, going to find out that it doesn't matter? Or B, we're going to find out that it only mattered by the tune of 
three bushels an acre. So we go back to two year ago uh, results and it's not really that big of an impact. What's the impact of same acres gets planted and we don't have as much fertilizer? I mean, I think that's what we're going to see. And I feel like we'll definitely be able to see in the the USDA numbers, like what I, what Kelly is saying, I think that there's the corn acres are still going to get put out there, but what's yield going to look like. And that should be good news for corn. I mean, but they're also calling for a 2 million acre, 3 million acre switch and be, from beans to corn, from corn to beans, sorry, too. So, how, so how is that going to affect things too? But I kind of agree with Kelly. I mean, people are going to plant corn. They love planting corn. Just a matter of, are they going to be farming insurance? I, I wouldn't think so, but is there a plan to put it out there and hopefully they can get fertilizer at a later date and side dress or do something like that? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a big question mark. So while we're on the topic of fertilizer and you just said that we're going to be farming for insurance, you're an insurance company. Again, you, you fuse your, your proposition to the farming uh, operation is that we fuse crop insurance with government programs, with commodity marketing. Um, now I'm going to not market as much ahead because I don't know about uh, about my productivity. But then I also know that even if I lose uh, a couple percent because I don't have the fertility, for God's sakes, I'd rather go ahead and get $6 bushels or $7 bushels or whatever this crazy market should do. Why would I not? Now, again, you're the farmer and you're the, the risk advisor. I'm just asking a question. Why wouldn't I go ahead and sell 50% of expected harvest and lock it in at six fifty seven bucks whatever i can and just say hey so so i might have a little bit less i'm gonna go ahead and lock this stuff in why wouldn't i do that um we're we're scaling up selling we had uh six more contracts hit overnight uh as the market spiked higher you know uh the spring insurance price is 590 my average proven yield is somewhere between 215 or 220 so on an average i'm guaranteed about a thousand and eighty dollars an acre I'll tell you that my cost on corn going into this next year is $950. This is a reason that the farmer will plant corn because they can insure themselves for a profit. In soybeans, it's much harder, you know, with the variable yields, things like that. You can't, you can't guarantee yourself a profit with the insurance program. With corn, you can't. So right. if they can get enough nitrogen to try to put it on, if they can get nitrogen in a form to put corn on, they will plant corn because of the 590 spring price. That is what, that's my mm -hmm. opinion. Bryce says, uh, trust your insurance. I think we just heard that. So he's got a guaranteed price of 590. That's an insurance price or that's contract. Price. Right. That's that's so that's got, and that's on 215 bushels. Yep. So he's got $5.90 on 215 bushels. I'll get my, I'll get my calculator and do that. But again, that's pretty close to 1200 bucks. Right. So, uh, what is that actual? Level? Well, you got to take 590 times your 215. Then the highest level you can insure to is 85%. And the answer to that is $1,078. Okay. $1,078. You said cost of production is around 900 then 950 is where mine's at. Okay. So you just locked in bare minimum $128 per acre. We're, we've been around long enough. There was time when, if you could get $25 an acre guaranteed of right. profit, you said, Hey, that's, that's, that's better than losing. Right. So we just did $128 of guaranteed profit. Why wouldn't I do that price? I mean, a lot of it too. I mean, yes, we're at 620 right now, 625 futures, but also the May contract that at 725, a dollar higher. So I think some guys kind of see that $7 mark too, where, oh yeah, well, 625, I can make money and be break even, but they also want to go and hit the home run and get the $7 corn too. So it's kind of, but then again, like Kelly said, 85% coverage. Okay. I don't need to go out here and sell 75% of my crop. Let that insurance work for you. Trust the insurance but sell as we rally. 
Okay. So what would you do if it was your money? How much would you be sold right now, Mr. Bryce? It all depends on the guy and how much risk you really want on the table. I didn't ask about the guy. I asked about you. I didn't ask about the guy. I asked about you. Uh Hey, hey, remember, we're we're sharing uncertainty, Ukraine, and managing volatility. If only it's in your head. All right. Now I just gave you a hypothetical example. How are you managing this if it's yours? I mean, I'm kind of right now, I mean, with the 590 spring price, I'm weighing my options with, with my insurance to start things before the deadline here in a couple of weeks. I mean, I'm looking, I'm analyzing the SEO programs and ECO programs with insurance just to, I mean, those are kind of pretty much subsidized puts from the government agency. So, I mean, I'm kind of taking a look at those and seeing how the county looks as far as what the expected yield and it is for those programs first. And then I'm, if I buy those and I'm not as aggressively selling, I mean, if you buy enhanced coverage option, you have 95% coverage. So that just allows you more time to not have to go out and sell right now. But then again, your insurance premiums are going to be pricey. That's not free. You're paying for it. What should we not do, Bryce? Over-insure and go and sell your crop right now. I mean, if you're going to buy the insurance and we have the 590 guarantee, use it. Okay. So that, that the thing you should not do is pay for a whole bunch of insurance and then also sell your stuff because why the hell did you do it? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Okay. So do one or the other. Which one? Hey, Bryce, which one should, which one are you going to do? Personally, I would do a mixed strategy. I would look at the SEO, ECO, get my coverage in place, depending on the county. Not every county is a good offer, but I would do that and sell a portion of my crop, but also give myself a chance at that $7 corn. Kelly, you talked about risk on, risk off. Let's be honest here. Um, you're going to have higher prices, but you may not have the, the fertilizer. Uh, you're going to have volatility, but you're going to have chances when there's volatility. That means there's as many ups as there are downs. You'll have chances to sell. You're going to have, I'm going through all these different things. There's going to be bigger yields if we have the right weather. Uh, there's going to be more expense or even a lack of availability of inputs from glyphosate to diesel for crying out loud. Uh, risk on, risk off, risk on, risk off. You and I, in preparing for this call, I said, do you think it ends up just being a net of zero? So really, it's a bunch of noise and a bunch of volatility, but the net result is pretty much break even zero. Is that what I'm hearing? It, it very well could be. You know, I mean, we get emotional about these decisions. We get emotional about these things happening. And we ever, either think it's going to be all the way to the left or all the way to the right. The yeah. truth is, it usually ends up somewhere in the middle. To say it's going to be exactly zero, that's being pretty specific. But yeah, it could be pretty close to zero as far as when you weigh the effects of every risk upon it, as many as we have going. I, and, and that's why you need to not be emotional. Keep your head clear. Stay logical. And make a good decision. Make a good, as good as it, of a decision as you can at the time with the information. I've been hearing the "don't get emotional." Uh, it's only business since I think I took personal finance three twenty uh, at Purdue University. And um, the one thing I can tell you is that's very easy to say unless you're the one that looks like you might gain or lose a million dollars, and then it it becomes pretty damn emotional. So uh, give me some tips on on that. How do you how do you do that, Kelly? Well, the problem is, is that we want to sell every bushel for the high watermark of the market. Yeah. You're not going to do that. Yeah. You're not going to do that. You know, I hate saying you can't go broke selling for a profit. 
I hate, I hate doing that because that just sounds like an average statement. And you know, it's been, me, said, it's been said, it's been said at a lot of meetings. And I'm I fair, know our, our, I to say that you uh, can't go bro selling for a profit is true, but that sounds like something the average guy wants to say. I don't want to be the average guy. So if you're going to come tell me that you're not the guy to work with me, mm-hmm. I don't want to be average. I want to be the best, but being the best doesn't mean we're going to sell every bushel at the high price too. It means we're going to be well better than average. We're going to be in that top third. I would like to be in that top third of the market. And, and I, I would like to be there. And we don't know where that's going to be. I'll tell you what, we've never sent a December. I, I believe this to be true. Bryce, you answer this. We've never made a contract tie on December corn in the month of February before. Yeah, I think so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that insurance price looks pretty nice right now. That's a nice safety net. But let's let's not forget that we've never made a December contract high in the month of February. And so there might be better things to come. Let's talk about big picture. We have people that have listeners that don't, don't plant corn or maybe even corn or soybeans, but they pay attention to what we do here because we've got some, you know, some interesting stuff and some good perspectives. Uh, uncertainty. Uh, what are some of Kelly Garrett's tips or tricks on just managing the uncertainty so that you uh, aren't up, uh, you know, so you can, I'd say so you can keep your hair, but clearly that's not, that's not something that applies to you. <laughs> so how do, how do you manage uncertainty so that you can sleep at night? Education. So, you know, we're, we're how many days out from planting a corn crop in Ukraine, or at least that's what we thought was going to happen a month yeah. ago. Right. You know, we're, we're say 40 days out from planting a corn crop. I don't, it might be 60 and it might be 30, but we're, we're not very far away. Sure. And the turmoil going on in that country, you have to feel for those people. Well, what if they don't plant a corn crop? Well, what does that mean? You know, um, I looked it up because I wanted to be educated. The country of Ukraine is uh, just a little bit smaller than the state of Texas, but they have a tremendous amount of fertile soil there. Uh, a typical crop for them is 37 million metric tons of corn. So what does that equate to? So I, um, a metric ton is 28.38 bushel. So 37 million metric ton, it's a billion bushel. Now to say that we're going to get no bushels of corn out of the country of Ukraine, that probably doesn't happen. You know, then we talk about our other risk on risk off things. Uh, the second crop corn in Brazil is way ahead of schedule. So, you know, uh, one analyst that I talked to, he read, he said, I think we need to take 10 million metric ton away from the world crop at the end of the year. We need to figure on that because of this turmoil. Well, 10 million metric ton, that's 283 million bushel. Bryce, I'd like to know your opinion, but 283 million bushel is not a big deal. We can fart the wrong way in a windstorm in the ice states and come up with 283 million bushels. I mean, that, that could be like it could be like somebody just uh, you know put the, the sprayer operator got it wrong on a few acres. I mean, 283 million bushels is not a whole lot. So that's what what he's saying here is he educated himself about how big of a factor the Ukraine thing really is. And the point is, maybe it's not really much of a factor at all because you throw in a little bit of good weather or uh, a couple of things that can work right for the, just the I states where we're from. And we can make up for Ukraine like that. We produce 14 billion bushels roughly uh, of corn per year uh, in the United States. Well, that billion dollar spread, a uh, billion bushel spread, that's, that's what, 7%, 6%, <laughs> uh, you know, overrun on us. Is it that big of a deal, Bryce? Well, yeah. Well, if you break it down like what Kelly did, it doesn't look that big of a deal. I mean, and two, I mean, I kind of even with soybeans a little bit. I mean, I know when the Russian news first hit and we kind of went skyrocketed up within Argentina, South America, weather was a little bit wet, too. So then the market was kind of confused. OK, where where are we going? Yes, the Russia, Ukraine stuff 
it's causing stuff to go up, but also South America is starting to pick up rains. They're kind of starting to balance each other out a little bit until this escalated even more. I mean, so you have to look at all of the different things that are going on. I mean, a lot can change. Bryce, uh, it's easy for uh, when you're sitting here looking at the computer screen and it's not your money to say, don't get emotional. And then Kelly says he avoids uh, getting too uh, emotional and not being able to sleep at night by, by educating himself about the realities versus the hype. What's your advice on avoiding the emotion? Yeah, I mean, definitely that. I mean, know your break evens and know, yes, if I sell at 620 corn and I know that my break evens at 550, know that you're walking away making good money. And at the time, like what Kelly said, at the time, that was the best decision for you on the farm. I mean, you didn't know where corn was going. I mean, it's, I know it's hard because you're not losing money, but you didn't gain as much upside as you wanted, but you're still able to sell more of your crop as we rally up. <clears throat> Bryce, when you sit down with these people and they think, wait a minute, I'm the guy that's got the money on the. I'm the guy that's got the money on on the table, and this is just some guy here coming in from some company. He doesn't know what it's like. Tell me what you would say to me when I say that to you. Hey, wait a minute! I'm the one that's taking all the risk here. You're just some insurance guy. What's your response? My response is, then again, know your break even. I'm not. I'm not going to call a shot. No one knows where corn's going, and you don't know either. I mean, no one knows. It's just you have to be comfortable with how how much risk do you want on the table? I mean. Like what you said, I can go out there and sell 65% of my crop, know that I'm making money and be gone and no risk. But like what Kelly said, you don't want to be, most farmers don't want to be the average farmer. They want to go for the home run and be selling their corn, like as you said, on the top third at least. So I mean. I want you to think about examples uh, or a story you can share with me about someone that really screwed up by getting emotional. I've got one for you. Um, uh, I was called. I was called by uh, some people that I care a lot about when the whole uh, lockdowns began and then all everything went to hell and the uh, stock market was down and this person got very, very panicky. And even though I walked through the logical part of it and said, but your revenue is going down, but it's not going to zero. And then uh, you got this fallback. And then I said, how much of your net worth is actually in the stock market? And we went through those scenarios. And it turns out about one third to one fourth of their net worth was in the stock market. And I said, so if you don't need it right now, and even though you've got a declining revenue situation right now, you still are making enough to break even. And that's not where the bulk of your, I said, why would you be in a hurry to sell that when generally uh, anytime you've sold after a 20% meltdown, it's been a bad decision. They didn't listen to me. They were emotional. And again, that's, that is what the, the, it tends to be, and this is Wall Street, and this is, I guess, what I would say for the ag folks. If you read the Wall Street and you go through historically, because I like to look at everything from 1921, the stock market crash to today, it is the amateurs that get emotional and end up getting their ass handed to them by selling into rapid declines or big declines out of emotion. It is not institutional nor professional investors. And I'm not being in any way mean. I'm just an amateur investor myself. I mean, with my 401k or whatever the hell it is, my retirement plans that I have as a self-employed guy. So the reality is, I think that that's how I try to always look at all these things. Amateurs allow emotion uh, and generally make bad decisions when you look at all the history of Wall Street to today versus what the institutions and the professionals do. And I guess I would apply that to agriculture. Are you making an emotional, fearful decision versus what a professional decision would be? Thoughts on that, either of you? 
I have a good friend that uh, is an executive at a pharmaceutical animal pharmaceutical company, and he says the only thing better than buying a 10% break in the stock market is buying a 20% break in the stock market. Mm -hmm. If you educate yourself and look at history, it's going to come back. So again, it's education. It's keeping your head about you. It's not following the crowd. The world's not coming to an end, and it's not going to go to zero. You have to believe that. Bryce, you're all about saying that to people, but again, uh, what you tell people and what you can counsel people on, uh, humans are emotional beasts. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, if you haven't figured that out already in your uh, in your career, you will. Humans are emotional beasts. Um, your your take on it? You got a story or an example for me about emotion trumping uh, logic and it costing them greatly? Yeah, I I know that we kind of hit on it before we started recording too. I mean, the eighteen nineteen, all the China sanctions that that happened there. I mean, we were star- staring down three dollars. Wait, wait, wait. From a historical standpoint, you mean twenty eighteen hyphen twenty nineteen, not eighteen nineteen. We're not going back that far in history, are we? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Right, I mean, like, you're talking about like like the cotton exchange in Charleston or something. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You're at eighteen nineteen. Come on. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were staring down the barrel of $3 corn. I mean, we were at $3.20, $3 corn, and I think guys panicked there. And what the bad thing was is they sold the $3.20, $3 corn, and then it rallied back up to $4, and not let, let alone they did they lost in the cash sale, but they also lost all of their insurance payment that they were going to gather too. So they didn't just get hit on one end. They got hit twice. They sold in panic at three twenty. dollars and lost the insurance payment that that they're looking at at that point in time they were covered by their insurance don't sell you know you're going to get a big payment if we're staring at three dollars don't panic but then again people were talking oh whoa whoa we're going to 280 corn yep people sold and that's exactly what we're kind of seeing now i mean just the opposite i've been around this my whole life and i've got farmer buddies and i can tell you that uh nothing gets nothing gets predictions Beans in the teens, they start talking about that when beans hit 10 to 11. And then uh, beans in the eights, they start talking. It's, it's, it's always a dollar or two down on that. And then on corn, it's always, hey, you know what? I, I mean, it goes back to my brother coming over and drinking a beer with me. He's like, you're saying the corn might have a two in front of it here in another, uh, another couple of weeks. What do you think about that? It's always the same thing. Overblown potential upside, overblown potential downside. Um, here's the big one. How... You know, Kelly said something really interesting. The world's really not going to end. And, and I know that folks, uh, you know, get worked up during this. And the media obviously, you know, perpetuates that. I'm going historically here. Um, I think that we just have a real opportunity, if nothing else, because most of this stuff is price positive for us. And unless we enter military uh, militarily, we're kind of like sitting over here, other than on computer screens, we're not very affected. What do you think about that, Kelly? Well, and on the supply. I mean, I know we're respect on the supply. Yeah. I'm talking about we're, we, there's not tanks rolling down our highways. There's right. not there's not tremendous amounts of tumult. We're not uh, we're not taken to the streets. We're generally, other than the fact that we got to do some workarounds on things like phosphorus, other than that, we're less affected than a lot of people are. Yeah, you know we. We get to go home at night. You get to go to sleep and know that you're safe, know that your family's safe. And to think about what the people of Ukraine are going through right now. And we're sitting here talking about being emotional. If we can buy enough fertilizer and fuel, uh, we really need to put that into uh, 
perspective as to how lucky and blessed we are to be in the United States. And we need to really feel and pray for the people in Ukraine and understand really what you're thinking about and what sort of problems you have and, and not become emotional about it because we really don't have that big of a problem. We're mm-hmm. talking about all-time highs in markets and things like that and, and making decisions that uh, you know, you're going to make the income that you wouldn't. Uh, this year, you might make twice the income that you would have been 19 or 20 based on the markets we had then. I'm going to throw another one, two things at you. First off, uh, you talk about uncertainty. It's a, it's a heck of a lot better to be sitting where we are than it is to be in uh, Poland. I mean, uh, the uncertainty that we're not, this, this, this um, trickle uh, that, that we're feeling compared to what they would be feeling if you're in anywhere in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, there'd be a tremendous amount more uncertainty for us if we were sitting there, is my opinion. Bryce, I've heard your thing uh, about all this, but let's do a big picture here. Uh, do I need you? Do I need you for your? Um, do I need you for your government program management this year? Because I don't see any government programs coming. We thought this is what going into this year. It was November, December. I'm talking to my ag people, and they're saying, "Hey, we ain't gonna make any money in 2022. These cash rents have gone up. We gotta pay double for our, our fertilizer if we can even get it. We're not gonna make any money." And this has been blown completely out of the water. Our friend Kelly just locked in $128. And that's probably, hopefully, his low end on corn acres based on what's happened. Talk about volatility. It was only two months ago, three months ago, that we got told we weren't going to make no money this year. It's just not going to be any money being made. And now look. So volatility from your perspective. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know where to start on that question. I mean, yes, the government programs, yes, we're probably not going to see a payment for our county PLC. That's kind of a given. And kind of what we're telling her, that wasn't really even the conversation we've been having with our guys is before you make that decision, look at your insurance stuff first. Because like I mentioned before, if you're looking at buying SCO or ECO, then you have to elect PLC. If you elect, if you go and check the box, our, our right, county- Right, 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 right. TLC is a musical group. They sing that one about waterfalls, right? Don't go chasing yep. waterfalls. It was like yep. from 1998, I think, going back when you were still a kid. I think it was, don't go chasing waterfall. That's TLC, am I right? What are you talking about? Price loss coverage with the Oh, FSA PLC. Office. All right, all right. Yep. Price loss coverage. You guys, you guys go into your vernacular about all these alphabet soup things. I'm just trying to make sure that everybody's listening and understands. Yep. And SEO supplemental coverage option, ECO enhanced coverage option. But if you are looking at those, I'm not saying it's the right answer. Just make sure you're looking at your insurance decision before you make your government program, just so you're not getting priced out of looking at those other options is all. Bryce, the one thing is, it, I just am kind of pointing out how quickly things turn. It was just November that we really kind of, there was a, a common theme that it was going to be break even unless government programs kicked in because of the tremendously um, I- tremendous increase in input prices and how commodity numbers had not really rallied enough to keep up with it in, uh, in comparison to all of the inputs. Kelly, weren't you thinking it's going to be tougher to make money in 2022 just a few months ago? And now look. We... Uh... We employ an insurance product called margin protection that we signed up for this summer. And with margin protection, I can insure at the 95% level. It also tracks, make sure I'm saying this right, Bryce, it tracks seed, fuel, and fertilizer. 
and interest rates. And that's part of the uh, that's part of the policy that attracts those indexes, I guess is how I'd say it. Um, I don't understand it 100%. I understand the end result, but I don't understand all the things it tracks because I need to educate myself better. But Crawford County, the county I live in, is the high, has the highest county yield in the state of Iowa. It's supposed to be 220 bushel. And right now, based on price and based on those indexes, Crawford County's got to produce like 222 bushel to have a break even for me not to get a payment out of that insurance policy. So I have not been as worried about 22 as I have been about 23. 23 looked to me like it was going to be a break even. But now 23, I've actually sold more corn for 23 than I have for 22 because of the margin protection policy that I have. And I'd also like to answer the question as to why you should use a company like Silvius. Very few insurance providers understand hedging. Very few market analysts understand insurance protection. And once you understand that you need to use the two of them together, more like, let's say, a three-legged stool, it's quite simple. And to not do that. And part of the way I become unemotional is I let my market advisor do the selling for me. And I believe he pays for himself just on the basis opportunities I get. And then when he comes to you with the knowledge he has on the government programs and tying your hedging to your crop insurance, it's one of the easiest decisions I make to employ the market advisor I have and to, to do things in the fashion that Sylvius does. I can't say enough about tying your hedging to your crop insurance. Everybody should do that. And nobody does it. That, by the way, is a good way toward the end. So I'm going to say, what's your recommendation? But Kelly and I have done enough of these. He knew when I was going to get to the end, what's your recommendation to manage uh, the uncertainty and the volatility, if only it's in your head? And he just said that. First off, get a margin protection policy on top of your traditional, on top of your normal policies and work with a company that can tie in both all three things, government programs, which you've got to make sure you're compliant. They're not going to pay off a bunch this yeah. year, but no. they're going to, at least you got to be compliant. So government program tie, um, uh, shall we say compatibility, government program yeah. compatibility, then with the crop insurance, with the commodity marketing, make sure that they're all working together. Price, what's your recommendation for these people out here that say, I don't know, man, things look kind of bad. Got to manage this uncertainty. It's kind of volatile. My answer, of course, is it's always been volatile. Secondly, what's your go your go to recommendation? Yeah, like what Kelly hit on. Just be educated. Know what you elected for your insurance. Just so, just like what he said. I mean, if he wouldn't have been educated that he had the margin protection, he'd be go out and selling six twenty these twenty two corn. When in reality, that's covered for him, and he needs to be focused on twenty three and not twenty two. So it's just understanding. I mean, because some guys say, "Oh, well, let's buy the same as last year." And they don't even understand what insurance that they even bought or how it ties into their marketing decisions. So, I mean, just be educated on what's going on and what you have already purchased. This probably applies to everybody, not just corn and soybeans. We spend a lot of time on corn and soybeans, of course, because that's two big things. And then wheat, of course, Ukraine and Russia, big wheat people. We're not big wheat people on this call right now. Is there anything that changes with wheat? Kelly? Wheat will change some double crop soybean acres. They'll put in wheat acres. You know, there might be some spring wheat planted in the United States that wouldn't that would potentially go to soybeans or corn. You know, it, obviously not in the I states, but you get in some outlier states where they can make those kind of decisions. They might put it to wheat instead because because we're seeing a run up and a rally in that. Yes. In the wheat in the wheat markets. Yeah. Yeah. You could see some spring wheat put in instead of corn and beans in those areas. And, you know, and those aren't going to be probably 200 bushel corn areas, but it's still going to take acres away from that, that big corn number. 
Yeah. You agree with that, Bryce? Yeah. So I, I, we're talking, if we add, of course, if we add a couple million acres of wheat, that's a big add, right? Right. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know there'd be a couple million acres. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the number of that, but it, this wheat market will not add. This wheat market will pull acres away from the corn market, especially when you consider the price of fertilizer, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, right. So as I said, we, we see, even if it's a couple million acres, we, that's 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 significant in terms of i believe it was just two years ago we produced less acres of wheat in the united states of america than we ever had in the history of uh like the usda or something like that it was like we we produced so we've we've been on the declining acres of uh wheat production for a long time here in the u.s so that's going to be one thing that changes last thing uncertainty ukraine managing volatility even if it's only in your head uh should i be worried bryce you can I just say it's okay to be worried, but just like what we've talked about this whole episode, don't get too emotional and get into emotional situations. Yes, we are going to see the 40, 50 cent swings in the market. Know that you're protected. Trust what you've already had sold and what insurance products you have bought. But yes, I mean, it's human nature to get nervous or emotional, but it's just taking a step back before you make a panic decision like what we have all talked about today. I know it's a little bit of a um, un, unlike comparison, but still, it does it does have some correlation. You know, I used the stock market thing before about what professionals do versus what amateurs do, and yeah. I, I really keep going back to that. Uh, amateur investors got scared after 9-11, and, you know, did things stay rocky for a long time? They sure did. But what did professional investors do? They looked at opportunities because with volatility, with, with market scares, do come opportunities. And uh, I think it's a real good time to be looking at opportunities. Kelly just talked about a good one of tying into uh, to the volatility and then, and then going ahead and pulling the trigger. And is it going to be his final sale? No, but it was going to be his first sale that guaranteed a $120 an acre uh, net. You know, you could go sell some $6.25 corn and you could spend 30 cents. Well, it was 30 cents the other day. It might be different now. You could buy a $7 call option for 30 cents. Yeah. Then you're managing a 30 cent option set of six dollar and 25 cent corn then you've got your insurance rest easy i you know i think that's a little bit of a conservative approach but if you want to be open to the top side you've got your insurance make the sale buy the call option it's too conservative for me but it's not a terrible idea yep anything else on the way out the door here we're talking about uncertainty the ukraine situation managing volatility dear listener we recorded this on march 1st so again if you're listening to this come uh june of 2022 there's still really good information a lot of good takeaways but the numbers we're talking about might very much be uh not even relative to, uh, at, at that point or relevant because of what's happening so remember that uh, everything has a place in time uh bryce goose risk advisor with uh sylvia's financial our sponsor of this very episode in fact sylvia's financial is a company that combines and, and merges if you will the crop insurance the, the government programs and commodity marketing to help your farm attain maximum profitability bryce if they want to find you how do they do that um sylviasfinancial.com and we are also on all the mainstream social media twitter facebook so there's yeah. our and then there they are and uh and and uh, and and they'll be back because we've got more stuff to share with you on future episodes of cutting the curve his name is kelly garrett founding member of extreme ag and my name is damian mace until next time thanks for being here we know that this was helpful and by the way take care of yourself it is a worrisome and emotional time but it doesn't have to be that's a wrap for this edition of extreme ag's cutting the curve podcast brought to you by sylvia's financial 
Sylvia's advisors show business-minded farmers how to integrate government programs with crop insurance, as well as crop and cattle marketing to achieve positive financial outcomes. Learn more at sylviasfinancial.com.